Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here are your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories, and I am your host, Fred. That great theme music's from Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. Uh, today, we are wrapping up our series focusing on the Mark Time Awards and the great audio theater event out in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That is Convergence. Just got back from there a couple weeks ago. Uh, last week, we had a bunch of fun interviews that are recorded there. And if you've been listening to the Icebox radio live streaming station, you may have heard some of that on there as well. If you don't know about the Icebox live radio drama station, I would totally totally check it out. Ty- type in Icebox Radio into Google. Um, the link there is pretty prominent. Um, of course, last but not least on our docket on the Mark Time Awards is, of course, the winning piece this year, the work of Julie Hoverson, someone um, I've had on the show before, whose work I really respect and admire. She's been producing very regularly, oftentimes her own work. Um, d- doing a great job of pulling together people, getting this stuff done out there, building an audience. Uh, really, really admire what she's doing. She won the Mark Time Award, well-deserved for the piece you're about to hear the outpost um that said i don't think i need much more of an introduction so let's just get into it mark time award-winning the outpost 19 nocturne boulevard nocturne boulevard not far when you hit howard hang a right howard meets philip at a weird kind of angle then you cross james and paul you can't miss nocturne it's just past the automatic 19 Nocturne Boulevard, your address for suspenseful stories of the speculative, strange, and supernatural. Tonight's story is The Outpost. Yes, this is 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Won't you step inside? Did you have any trouble finding it? What do you mean, what kind of a place is it? Would you believe it's an outpost in an asteroid cloud somewhere in the distant reaches of the galaxy? Easy now. Just breathe. Tell me, do you know your name? My what? Of course. Tell me your name. Vanessa Nine. <laughs> your name is Vanessa Nine. Don't be stupid. It's Vanessa Nine Eight Nine Four Nine. How old do I look? Um, Where am I? I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Later. You're all wrung out. Nonsense. I am ordering you to tell me. Now there ain't no call to get huffy, miss. Where is your Vox? I plan to let her know precisely... My what? Your Vox, the one who gives you orders. Ain't got none. There must be a female around here somewhere. Nope. Just me. And you. What the hell kind of place is this? Oh, I... There now. You lie back down and get yourself some rest. Waking from deep sub is no cakewalk. Throwback. Hmm? Frequency 12. Great. Frequency 12. Frequency 12. Ah! Frequency 12. 
frequency 12? Is there anyone here? No need to holler. Your comm unit isn't set to recognize my voice. Oh. I'll see what I can do. You need anything? No. Well, I could use something to eat. Alrighty. I have to finish up something, but I'll be down as soon as I can. What? You get down here immediately. some chow. It's been almost an entire hour. You caught me outside. It was quicker to finish what I was doing than to come in and get back out again later. Give me that. No. What? How dare you? You're in my house. If you can't be civil, then, well, I could be downright rude, too. There must be someone else here. I will report your behavior. Nope. Just me. Like I told you. Take me to your comm unit. No. But I... You can ask nicely. What? How can you even look me in the face and say such a thing, male? Call me again when you're in a better mood. The... um... The radio is broken. Broken? Hold up. I... shook it. It wouldn't listen to me. Hmm. Looks like I'm gonna have to get in there. But I still don't understand what you're saying about... I just woke from deep sub. I require caloric intake. Just about there. Life pod BLTL one four five. Finally, a civilized voice. Recorder, playback to Xanadu's final entry. Final log entry of Star Cruiser Xanadu. G vector, Delta Quadrant. Encountered space debris. Explosion. Unknown cause. Xanadu evac mandated. Pods loosed at ship day 172. T vector. Speed, normal. Calculate time in transit. Calculating 1,382 days since Xanadu Eva. Four years? You were on a star cruiser? <gasps> that must have been interesting. Yes. I am part of the crew of the star cruiser Xanadu, bound for Ganymede 800 in the Gargon Nebula. There will be people looking for me. Not here, they won't. What do you mean? I don't know what all your specs there are, but first, no one much comes this far out. And second, well, I do know the Gargan Nebula is hella gone from here. You have to let me contact someone. No, I don't have to do anything. I order you. As third under lieutenant subchief engineering bay five of the Star Cruiser Xanadu, I command you to take me to your comm room. <sighs> Please. Wish I could. Left you some food there. What you doing? Keeping busy. What do you want? You about ready to come out? Out of what? The room here. The room? 
You kept me locked up in here, and now you ask... Door don't even lock. I was wondering why you never... Door open. See? Nothing happens. Well, of course not. Doors don't have ears. Normal doors take orders. Radios, too. You're an under-engineer sub-chief thingy, and you don't even know how to work a door? Normal doors take orders. Well, I guess we're all a bit old-fashioned here. This is how you open the door. Wave your hand right here. See? Wait. You said we're all a bit old-fashioned. Who is we? Well, um, I was including the doors and all. No. Since you like to talk to them all. To the left there. This is it. Yep. Millie's Brain Center. There are 42 more like her spread throughout the cloud. Uh, here. Pretty, huh? It's rubbish. Millie has 12 chambers. Each a self-sealing unit in case of breaches and a backup. How do you call out? Hmm? Out! How do you call out? I need to make arrangements to get the hell out of here. It don't quite work that... Nothing here works. Nothing works at all. Now, I'm real sorry about that, but you need to breathe and let me finish my sentences. I could have you up on charges so fast. Well, not here you couldn't. Now... As I was about to say, you can call the other habitats or the quarterly supply ship if he's in range. Just might be. He come through here only last week. Another mail? What is this throwback central? What you got against fellas? <sighs> Males have been proven inferior and in the civilized galaxy have been effectively relegated to a purely functional capacity. You mean where you come from is all ladies? Don't it get boring? What? What are you implying? Just, well, how do you have kids? No one has children. Everyone donates genetic material and it's automatically matched up with compatible fertilizing agents. Children belong to the community and are raised in a proper, safe environment under supervision. But those poor little boys and girls. Girls? Though them poor little kids, never knowing who their mamas are. They're cared for by properly trained personnel. How would someone like myself, with a career on a star cruiser, ever find that sort of time? That's real sad. Not to mention, I haven't spent my life immersed in study of childhood ailments and development. Well, neither did my mama. Yes, I'm sure. Look, you can mock me and turn your nose up at Millie, but don't you never speak ill of my mama. Hey, Grant, you there? Hey, Grant, you there? Yep, what you need? That capsule thing you sold me. You think you used to work okay? Oh, hell. Let me call you back, Lassiter. Sold? I got work to do. Was he talking about a deep sub pod like mine? I find all sorts of you things. You sold a, a, a person to that... that male? What makes you think the pod weren't empty? That's slavery. And you know what that means. Don't matter. Besides, what would I do with two of y'all out here? The same as you're doing with one. Nothing at Yep. Long as I'm talking to you, I'm doing nothing at all. Like I said, I got work to do. It was one of these switches. 
Yes. Lassiter, come in, Lassiter. Huh? Who's this? I'm at Millie. Excellent. It did work. You tell Grant to let me know when you get here. To wake up the woman in the pod? Yeah. I can't wait. Lassiter, you do know it's vastly illegal to rescue someone and then force them into slavery, don't you? What? If you press her into service, you are committing high seas slavery according to Rule 4715D of the Unitary Code. Is Grant there? Can you put him on? Shut up! Jeez. Lassiter, I will make a bargain with you. I don't know. I will help you revive the survivor if you will let me talk to her as soon as she wakes up. Sure. And if you understand that I will find a way to come over there and kill you if you hurt her in any way. Hurt her? Hey, I pay good money for it. What do I do? Be placating. We have to try and get together and make our way home. Aye, aye, Box. Data mode for now. I await your word. Remind him I will kill him if he hurts you. He doesn't seem very threatening. I could put him down if I have to. Good. Engineer Vanessa 98949 out. Yasmin 222338 out. What you doing? Huh? I see you found your friend. We were part of the same crew. I have rank, so I told her I would protect her. It's my duty. Protect her? From Lassiter? He ain't some kind of... Uh, I ain't even sure what you're thinking he is. A man. Are you afraid of me? You hold all the cards. All you have to do is refuse me food and I'm helpless. I wouldn't do that. You already did. I was trying to get you to... Look, if I wanted to actually hurt you, I got a blaster for that. I just wanted you to think twice and act civil. How many more were there? More. Of the deep sub-pods? Did you just find the two? Four. Total. Lassiter's was the last to revive, so all of y'all are all right. All right? Let me talk to them. You gotta learn to stop giving me orders. You're not my mama. Your mother is... She died. Since then, uh, I got work to do. What is this work that seems to constantly demand your attention? You ask nice, you'll get a lot more answers. What is it that you do all day? Salvage. Used to be mining, but the cloud here grabs every lump of crap out of the nearest 10 to 20 sectors, so salvage pays a hell of a lot better. Salvage? And maintenance. Millie here's old. I keep her limping along, but it's truly full time. Come on, I'll show you where the food units are. Then you ain't gonna wait on me if you get hungry. So this switch here changes the band. You know, jig a little bit here sometimes. And this list here shows all the other habitats. The ones up top are closest, most reliable for contact. Next down, these three, well, I ain't heard from them in a while. Not even sure they're still functional. Vacated? No one vacates. Not unless, but comm equipment goes down sometimes, a lot. And it's a bitch to get the right parts. All the habitats are as old as this one? Yeah, they were built for miners. Never really meant to be permanent, but you know how things go. Why don't you leave? Leave? If you sell your salvage, it must go somewhere. Someone must be buying it. Why don't you just go too? Why? 
You say it's a full-time job just keeping this place from falling down around your ears. So find another place. But this is my home. I was born right here in Millie. It is falling apart. I hope you don't think I plan to stay here with you. Of course not. But you do owe me. Owe you? I rescued you. I pulled your damn pot in here and I woke you up. That's... And I've been feeding you and letting you breathe my air, which ain't cheap, I should point out. Then let me get out of your air. First you gotta, you know, pay me back. How exactly? Damn! Bloody Stone Age tools! Ha! What? I patched your antenna into the router from the pod's emergency signal. Some serious interface issues, let me tell you. But you should get much clearer signals now. Damn! Damn! Everything all right? Half my damn solar cells were damaged in the landing. So? I was thinking I'd jury-rig them into something. Get you a little extra free power. Bloody hell. That's a nice bead right there. Yes, I think I'm getting the hang of it. Now watch this. Chicken? Holy cow! Well, chicken, but yes. You get the idea. I still have to code the machine's other foodstuff options in for voice. I'll need to get your voice into the system sometime, too. Right. Of course. So I can do it myself. Absolutely. You didn't have any trouble making contact. I appear to be at the very arse end of the cloud, so they're out of my range from here. Damn, these archaic... I got them. You may be disappointed, though. Why? Helen 74589 and uh, Griselda 80281 um, do not wish to participate. What are you saying? They have become attached to this place. How the blazes? Griselda declined any details, but... Helen seems to find some companionship in the man Conrad and his children. Children? At least we've only got men to deal with. Yes. Sit down. Sit? Why? I always eat standing. You practically sleep standing. I have never seen you relax. Last time I just sat and waited was... Yes? Don't know. That doesn't matter. Why not sit? Too much to do. Please. Haven't I helped at all? Oh, yeah. Many hands make light work, like Mama used to say. But there's always more to do. But the repairs are real good. If this keeps up, we can... We can maybe repressurize cap... caps of 14. Do you need the space? Never hurts. Could put some more hydroponics in there. Maybe put in some greens and generate oxy out of my own. Why not? It's like minting money. You'd be better off with algae tanks. They take more processing to make them palatable for eating. Much more. (laughs) But they've been genetically manipulated to give a much higher O2 to cubic foot ratio. And they require less nutrient. I'd have to get it from somewhere. Shouldn't be difficult. Most cruisers have algae tanks, and all you need is a dip to start with and some growth media. The tank 
well, you could pretty much put anything together if you're not too concerned about sterile edible conditions. But for oxy production, anything that will contain the growth medium and keep the temp stable will do. You'll need UV simulators, too. Yeah. Maybe you can send me some when you get home. You could remake one room for food plant growth and have the algae... What? Nothing. There's even better technology out there, you know. I'm surprised you're not more curious. Well, I figured it's like this. Of all you've talked about so far, doors that listen and whatever, this algae thing is the only one thing that seems like it fit into my life. Everything else is like so far beyond me, I don't see it mattering much. But you would know. You would have something to to work toward. Something to chase? Something to miss? Something to worry about not having? Nah. I figure easier just assume you're going to tell me you can shit blueberry cobbler. It's all well and good, but I don't want to do it. And goodness knows I don't want to eat it. Cobbler? I got things to do. Let me help. Nah, it's all outside. I gotta hawk in some stuff. Outside? In a suit? Yes. Let me help. No. Why? Are you afraid I'll run away? No, just float away. What? It's my job. I have to do it. Do you have two suits? Yes. Many hands make light work. No. Look... I've put in my 100 hours on simulators, plus over 300 hours working on the hull in stagnant space. Goodness, you've even got gravity here. Minimal gravity. Point is, I know my way around a suit. Look, if things didn't have to be done, I'd never get into one of those damn things myself. There's no way I'd put you out in that kind of danger. You don't... you, you don't like being out there. But, but I enjoy... You don't want to be here, and that's fine. I'd rather see you leave on the cargo ship than floating off into blackness. Can you ask your Lassiter something? You can talk to him yourself. I just want to know about suit drifts in this area. Why? Just something Grant said. Ah, here he is. You can help Vanessa, can't you? Hmm? Sure, what do you need? Chicken. How old were you? What? When your father drifted. Why do you care? You don't even have a father. I, I, should, get, I should get back to No. You. Unless you physically move me, you're not leaving this room. Talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. Why? The more I talk to you, the more I'll miss having someone to talk to later. Get out of my way. No. I've lost people in space, too. I did my time in the Corps. Shipboard accidents. I, I understand. It's different with family. Show me. I was 12 when my father's line got tangled, and he had to cut it. And something in the piece he was salvaging blue, and... It took forever for him to be completely out of sight. He kept talking right up to the edge of radial range. I feel for you. Thank you. I wish I knew what to say. That's all right. I got work to do. Your food? 
How do you talk to them? It's not always in the talking. What's wrong? I want to offer him sympathy, but he just walks out of the room. He says he just wants to ig- ignore me until I leave. Are you still planning to leave? Aren't you? Well, no. Why? Is it the sex? Oh, that's part of it. You have to admit it's kind of fun. I don't. Haven't. Maybe that's why he's avoiding you. But don't you want to go back to your job? Your home? Don't you want your life to have some meaning? Meaning? What meaning? I was on the way to making full chief engineer, and I would have been the youngest to reach that grade. Ever. You would have impressed everyone. Don't talk like that about my goal. The point of everything. And who benefited from this goal? I would. The ship would. Everyone on it. And someday someone would reach that rank even younger. And when you retired, someone else who could do the job just as well would take over. And no one would even remember you. I would have... Unless you did something like, I don't know, discover an alien race or die to save a bunch of people. But but how often does that really happen? I once prevented an explosion because I spotted a faulty valve. And I'll bet every person you saved came and thanked you. The point of preventing a disaster is so that no one knows they were ever in danger. (sighs) You needed help Oh. It's jammed. I can't shift it alone. I see. Uh, Hold on. Is your line secure? Yes, I checked and double-checked. Hmm. Do you think the person inside is still all right? Won't know if she is till we clear some of this debris. Looks like it still has some power. Help me shift this plate. I think it'll clear some of this. Hold on. No, not that. There's too much leaning on it, and we don't know which way it'll fall. What then? Um, this. I think this is the key piece, and I don't see anything it can bring down with it. <coughs> oh, hell. What? Oh. At least we should be able to get it clear now. Let's lighten the load. Get the corpse out of there. No! Why? You want to just dump her out right here? Why not? She's dead. She still deserves some respect. I'll do it if you don't want to be bothered. Do what? Bury her. What's wrong? Nothing. Let me... You should...
should have come back in earlier. Your fingers are nearly blue. I told you the heat circulation in that suit ain't up to snuff. I'm fine. Give me your hands. What? Let me warm your hands for you. <gasps> How do you do that? Hmm? Your, your hands are warm. It just came that way. Here, hold your hand here while I... In your jacket? Just do it. Give me the other one. They're fine now. I'll go and... I don't like that nail color there. Can you feel this? Yes. I'm perfectly capable of... This? Yes. I know what the difficulties with cold this? can be. And... What? No. Here. <gasps> Stop squirming. Let, let go. Let, let go. Need to get the circulation back. Heat and suction. <gasps> Look. Whatever it is you don't like about this, is it worth losing a finger over? Uh, no. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up, Lassiter. But it'll happen or it won't. Glad you're doing well, and and congrats. We're real happy. Out. Oh. Congrats. Lassiter and Yasmin are pregnant. Oh. Well, they're pleased. I, I didn't mean to sound... I'm just confused. Well, it won't be for much longer. Quarterly cargo ship will be here in the next couple hours. Grant. Don't worry. By my calculation, we're pretty much square. In fact, you're a bit ahead. Hooking up those solar panels and all. Grant. So I'll just cover the cost of your trip, at least as far as... Grant! Damn, now you got me lost. Grant, I... I appreciate your help here. Vanessa, got me ahead of my schedule. Um, I should go and get the cargo ready. Grant, I need to know something. Whatever I can help with. Would you... Do you... What will you do? When? If... When... If I go? Same as I've done before. Nothing's going to change. You should have kept Yasmin or Helen. They love it here. Yasmin loves Lassiter. Helen. Grant. Why me? You're You're the you're the you're the prettiest. I am. Yep. I looked at you and I knew that if I was ever going to take a chance, I'd have to be on that one. <laughs> Tell me you want me to stay. No. You don't want You go home. Have a good life. I got cargo to move. Grant? You there? Uh, yeah. How'd it go? I'm doing all right. Even ordered an algae starter culture. But you're lady? Oh, I'm, I'm still ahead. Even after a ticket. Ticket? Ticket? <laughs> You let her leave? Of course. She... She... She don't belong to me. You would have gotten used to it. I had to get used to being all alone. How could I do that to... To me. What happened? Did they... Did you miss it? I decided there was a better use for the cost of my passage. Negotiated for three more solar panels and a couple more oxygen tanks for the suits. I... I don't understand. It was what Yasmin said about being important to someone. But I, I never said you were... You said it every time you couldn't look me in the face. What do we do now? We build a tank for the algae. Many hands make light work. 
Many hands make light work. Oh, yes, and, uh... And... This. Mm. Not bad. You could use a little practice. Well, I may have had my 100 and then some hours of simulation, but I never actually took one of those there out for her span. <laughs> Wait till you see the rest of the equipment. Now that you know how to find us, don't be a stranger. We have enough of those already. Tonight's story, The Outpost, was written by Julie Hoverson. In tonight's production, Vanessa98949 was played by Julie Hoverson, Grant Hickey was Gene Torkildson, Lassiter was Russell Gold, Yasmin was Melissa Johnson, and the recorder was Beverly Poole. Also heard... Cole Hornaday and Renaud LaBeouf. The 19 Nocturne Boulevard theme song is courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. All other music in this episode is from the album Go by Sulatus, www.sulatus.cba.pl, and is used under a Creative Commons license. The album is available on gemendo.com. Sound effects were found on soundsnap.com and Sonomic.com. Sound and mastering was done by Julie Hoverson. This episode was recorded at NeoHoodoo Studios with the assistance of Ryan Hurst. Questions? Comments? We would love to hear from you. Contact us at 19nocturnatlive.com or check out our website at www.19nocturneboulevard.net. This presentation is copyright 2008 to Julie Hoverson and Reality Productions. All right, and that was 19 Nocturne Boulevard with The Outpost. You can find more of them at uh, 19nocturneboulevard.net. If you missed it, uh, back around Christmas of this year, we actually talked to Julie about her work. thought I'd share that interview with you again. Uh, this is from back in 2008. Here's our talk with Julie. All right, we've got the huge pleasure of welcoming Julie Hoverson to the show. Uh, she is the diva behind um, 19 Nocturne Boulevard, um, a wonderful new audio group uh, responsible for a whole variety of uh, spooky thriller, um, some stuff that's not quite as spooky as what we heard this uh, past week with uh, Saki. Um, so stuff that's sort of all, all kinds of different things you're playing with, um, including the stuff that you say is a bit Twilight Zone-esque, uh, Tales of the Crypt-esque. Um, definitely some Lovecraft inspiration, all kinds of fun stuff. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, so I, you know, this is kind of question I have to ask everybody, um, is, you know, how, how did you get into this? Cause you, if I get this right, you just started producing, uh, was your first piece released this actual past October? Well, actually, um, I've been with a group called ART, American Radio Theater, that does recreations of old time radio for five years, I think. Um, the last two years, I had script, I wrote scripts that, um, got honorable mention in the National Audio Theater Festival contest. Okay. And then, oddly enough, what happened this year is I got recruited into The Unspeakable and Inhuman, which is a show, um, put up by Neo Hoodoo Studios. I played Dallas Lansdale, the lead in that. 
And one day when we were at a recording session, one of the other actors goes, this is really fun. We should do this more often. And I said, I've got scripts. Oh, and then it was all all, all history from there. Uh, so that's so that's cool. So you so you had a bit of um, an audio drama interest before you started 19 Nocturne Boulevard, it sounds like. Oh, yes. Um, actually, I got into old-time radio when I was in high school, and it's all Bill Cosby's fault. <laughs> okay, how did that work out? Oh, and you've never heard the chicken heart routine? Uh, you're going to have to remind it, remind us all of the chicken he, heart. He did a whole routine um, in one of his old old comedy shows about um, getting up in the middle of the night when his parents had gone out and listening to Lights Out and freaking out, uh. and it was the Chicken Heart episode. <laughs> and so when I found an LP of Lights Out at the thrift store I was working at in high school, I bought it, and my brother and I turned the lights out and listened to it, and that was pretty much when I got hooked on old-time radio. Oh, killer. And I, actually, you know, you know, now that you say that, um, a group here is going to be in Boston playing, uh, doing Chicken Heart um, uh, live for New Year's. I'm actually going to go check that out. I'm sure you probably might not make the transatlantic flight, but um, now, now, um, now, no. Now, but I've seen their thing. I've seen the announcements on Audio Drama Talk. I was very pleased for them. Yeah, so I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm uh, another reason to be excited for that. Ed, that it um, terrified Bill Cosby so much. Yeah. Um, cool. So, so you go. For, so you go from this passion of OTR to um, doing what is very much uh, contemporary audio drama. Um, going f- going from uh, an idea, a script that you'd written to production, how- how'd you make it all happen? Well, I pretty much made it up as I went along. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I started out doing audiobooks, and I started out doing some audiobooks, and I started doing audiobooks where I put it, put music in. And as I did that, I did a bunch of Lovecraft that I actually just, I just Googled myself this morning and found somebody had reviewed one of them very favorably. I was like, oh! Um... But doing some just audio straight audiobooks that I have a person in England who sells. And then from there that, that gave me the technical skills of the adding the music and the editing and stuff and boy was it trial and error. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I started being able to edit multiple strings and put in more stuff and it just worked. Sure. And and um would that audiobook work? Is that is that professionally or is that um just a, an enthusiast kind of thing? It's sort of a weird story. Basically, um, there's a a friend of mine in England who we hooked up through mutual friends on the internet. She creates PDFs of old, um, out of print, I mean, um, out of copyright books and sells them on eBay. And she puts in pictures and all this other stuff. It's very, very lovely. She sells them as as e-books because they're, you know, they're far out of copyright. They're public domain. And... She suggested I should do some readings of public domain stuff for her, and then she would have audiobooks to sell, and that's how we started doing this. Okay, sounds very fun. Yeah, it is. It's actually very cool. Sure, and and, and you now you have acted in some of your pieces, but obviously in a lot of the pieces that required um, a lot of voices other than yours. So, um, you know, we, we hear some different stories about how people come up with actors. How did you come up with uh, with yours? Well, uh, several of the scripts that we've recorded, I recorded with ART, American Radio Theater, the group I mentioned. Um, I've also recorded, I mean, among others, I've gotten, you know, just different friends. I've done a Craigslist ad at one point. Almost everything we've recorded so far has been primarily done in the studio, as opposed to doing the satellite recording. In fact, the Christmas episode is my first big satellite recording one, which is part of what I'm struggling with. Sure, sure. Um, Some of them have been recorded at different times, but all with me there generally in the studio. Um, and uh, 
my my best story about it though is when I went to record the Kennerville Ghost, which I believe you have played. Uh, yes, I I played it on the air. I did not play it, share it with the podcast people, but that is definitely a possibility in the future. That's cool. Well, when I was when I was casting it, when I was sitting down to cast it, I was going, who should I get? I knew who I wanted for the ghost because Cole Hornaday, one of my actors, is really really good, and so I had him absolutely slated for the ghost. And then I was like, who am I going to cast with all the other players? So I went to my friend Beverly. Um, she, I actually um, introduced her parents when we were all in high school. <laughs> and she's now in high school. Okay, I've just given away my age. But anyway, um, I went to her and I said, you know what? Here's the script. Cast everyone out of your drama class. Everyone except the ghosts. And she did, and we came up with this great group of people. I mean, they were willing to put up with my telling them to be ugly Americans from a <laughs> century before, and they pulled it off very well. But yeah, that's entirely a high school drama class. And they did such a good job, I've had most of them back at one time or another to be in another show. And so it's worked out very well for me. Sure. Plus it encourages them, you know? You never can do enough to keep, you know, to keep people high school students engaged in something constructive yeah and, and to make it fun uh, oh yeah yeah one of um you know, that's where i got like for hollow's eve one of my shows the two leads um ellen vickery and megan lane they're both from that group they're they're you know i mean all these different characters i've been casting several of the other ones have appeared in later shows that aren't out yet that i've recorded mm-hmm. i've actually got recordings lined up to, to process that take me all the way through next July. I was wondering about that because I was just pulling up your um, your your schedule and I was like, wow, this is a very aggressive schedule. So you so you actually have this all in the can, so you're very confident about those dates because you have um, have most of this in, in post already? I've got, I've got all the voices. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, just, it's the actual, my part is what's still there, but all the part that requires me actually scheduling other people is done. Okay, great. And and, and just to, to let people know what I'm looking at, this is uh, 19 Nocturne Boulevard net, um, and you, and it, it two pieces a month. I mean, that's that's really impressive. How do you how do you uh, find the time or find the motivation to to get that much material? Part of it is actually that before I started in October, in October I actually had five whole episodes come out plus the your playing of the Canterville Ghost on the radio. Um, because I had 11 episodes done before I hit October. Sure. So I've got episodes that are either nearly done, two-thirds done, that I can finish and put in if something happened to the scheduled episode. That's one reason the schedule can still be fluid. Yeah. And uh, I had to reschedule one recently because the music's not done yet. And I actually have, most of the time, I draw on the same first most people draw on, which is Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, because he's fabulous. But uh, I do have episodes where I've used local artists, local musicians to do the music, and so there's a little bit more coordination involved with those. <laughs> but my episode, Cry Wolf, absolutely requires the music has to be really involved, because the episode is a it's sort of a pseudo-film noir, and it's the voiceover music, and it's actually sort of interactive with the, the narrative. And you've written most of these tales yourself, right? Uh, is, your, is your interest in writing primarily from an audio drama perspective, or do you come from another medium and, and thought you'd try audio drama on for size, or how do you, could that come about? Um, I've written 
a number of different things. Primarily, my ultimate goal would be to write a movie. Mm-hmm. I've written mm-hmm. a number of screenplays. I've gotten some really good kudos and been entered in contests. But it's such a competitive field and so hard. I could sit here and write a stack of screenplays five feet high and still never get anywhere. So I decided instead I would turn to something where I could actually create a finished product to showcase my writing. And then if I need to use it as a resume, it's much more interesting. I can say, instead of saying, here's a five-foot stack, five-foot tall stack of screenplays, read one, I can say, listen to this. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you get the the leverage of other people who have have uh, taken a look at it. Um, No, that's, that's great. Um, I've also I've also written for role playing games, so yeah. And I, 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 I and then you mentioned something to me as well about going to science fiction conventions. So I'd love to love to hear that twist too. <laughs> oh, I've been going to science fiction conventions for a lot of years. I actually I'm also a master class costumer in the local convention circuit, and I do panels on costuming. I've also published my own fanzine for role-playing games, so I do pa- I do panels on writing for role-playing games. I have done, <laughs> I am a Renaissance woman. Sure, and and, and so what are it, it, you know when it comes to the either the literary or the audio 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 area or or, or film wor- world? What are some of the uh, the works that you take inspiration from? Um, well, for for my audio production from an audio production standpoint. I ended up shooting very, very high because my inspirations come from um, primarily from two major sources. One is the BBC um, Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. which, again, I got into in high school, and boy, that just just set the bar so high right from the start for contemporary audio drama. And then more recently, I got involved um, in listening to Big Finish's Sapphire and Steel series because I loved the TV series and tried the, their their series of audio dramas kind of with trepidation and then subscribed because they're really awesome. But yeah, between those two, that's like the bar way, way over anything. <laughs> so that's one reason I hold myself to a fairly high standard. Um, I got to ask you more about sake. Now, at least I know how to pronounce his name right. I was worried that I might get him confused with the uh, Japanese beverage, but I'm glad we, glad we're set straight on that. Um, and so, yeah, this the, this piece was the, the kind of the first I've been exposed to his work. Um, do you want to do you want to inform listeners a little bit more about um, sake? Um, goodness. Uh, well, his his real name is H. H. Monroe. Sake was a pen name used um, when he published in literary magazines of the day. I, I like to think of them myself as uh, <laughs> as Wodehouse with teeth. Wodehouse did the Jeeves and Worcester stories, and actually Saki was one of the influences on Wodehouse um, because uh, he published. I mean, he Saki died in World War One, but he he published in the short time that he was actually publishing. I mean, short time compared to a lot of authors. He put out an enormous body of really, really lovely, clever short stories, um, as well as a play and a novella and a couple of other pieces. And his stories, my favorite selection of his stories, because he did a lot of social commentary on the day, you know, in the early Edwardian period um, of, of, you know, in England. And, um, and a lot of it is very sharp and very, very snarky. You know, um, he was kind of hard on things like suffragettes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which nowadays, how many people are going to be able to know what that is without looking it up in the Wikipedia? Yeah. 
um, you know, it's the, it's the time. And but he did some lovely stuff that were prank stories, and that's what gave rise to the the, the play. Um, he had a couple of recurrent characters who played these just elaborate pl- pranks on people, and it was always on people who were pompous or something. So you never really felt bad about it. In reading the story, you can you can get into the prank because it's it's like somebody who really deserves it, even if it's a fairly cruel prank. Yeah. Um, one of the recurrent characters is Vera, who's one of the, the characters I adapted into my story. Um, I took four of these stories, and another one is Clovis, who's actually mentioned in, in the play, even though he's, he's, not, he's not in it. But he's, he was one of the major, uh, he and, and Reginald, who's also mentioned, are two of the major uh, characters who recur in whole story cycles by Saki. Um, and uh, one of the reasons I actually sat down and did something with four girls as the main characters rather than using Reginald or Clovis is because at the time I was writing it, we were bemoaning in ART, where I'd originally intended to try and showcase it, we were bemoaning the fact that there are never, ever enough female roles mm. in, mm. Uh, in uh, old-time radio. Old-time radio is just notorious for a dearth of decent female roles. Oh, yeah, unless you want to be screaming or, or lost or something. Yeah, I mean, even the sidekick girls, I just mm. tend to be lame. The only one that I have any respect for at all is Brooksy and Let George Do It. She was awesome. Few and far between. Very true. And it's, it's, And so I decided to, I specifically sat down to write something with female protagonists and a lot of female characters in it. And um, a lot of the stuff I write, actually, I, I, I try to keep it fairly even female to male because I have a lot of really good male actors also. But, for instance, the serial that I'm going to be debuting next year, apparently, <laughs> Bingo the Birthday Clown, yeah. <laughs> which started out as a joke, but is now actually a really bizarre and awesome series. I don't know if you've been following that on Audio Drama Talk or not. Um, no, maybe maybe I've been out of the loop here. Uh, we did have the ice storm after all. <laughs> oh, well, on, on Audio Drama Talk, okay, this is, it's, it's a moderately long story. When I first found out about Audio Drama Talk, way back when, I came in and Bill Holwig of BrokenCD.com had posted a contest for Broken Sea's Halloween series, and they wanted a, they were, it was a script writing contest, and they wanted a hammer film homage with a cracked bell, a church with a cracked bell, a wooden leg, and the line, it's never done that before. Ah, nice. And I wrote that on the way home from work, and then decided not to give it to them, and it turned into The Thrice Told Bell, which is an episode that we've played during the Halloween season. And, <laughs> because I had to produce it myself. But, um, but he was really, really cool about it. They, in fact, they played it on Broken Sea because he was so enthralled with it. So then later on Audio Drama Talk, and I don't even remember when this came up, somebody said something about, huh, I'd rather listen to episode 256 of Bingo the Birthday Clown. So Bill posts, Bingo the Birthday Clown, that sounds funny. So I post, is that a challenge? And I came back like that evening with the first four pages, posted it in a forum on my in my forum, the nineteen nocturne forum 
in audiodrama.com and <laughs> audio drama talk, whatever. And, 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 um, now, 26 episodes later, um, it's now 26 eight minute episodes long. And I've had over almost 1,500 hits as people come back to read the next installment. <laughs> it's all just the script so far. And it is the weirdest thing. It's almost like a combination of Flash Gordon, Howdy Doody, and The Prisoner. So we've got that to look forward to, um, in addition to uh, an extremely awesome lineup, two episodes a month for the next at least at least till July. After that, I guess it goes back up in the air. But that's what is it? Fourteen, fifteen episodes is that's a that's a good haul. Well, my goal is to record the whole the whole first thirty episodes of Bingo uh, in a month during like April this year, coming year, and then oh, match them up and have them ready to go in uh, once I get past the schedule as it stands. And I'll depending on how it works out. I don't know how yet. I'm not going to stop doing 19 Nocturne, but I may cut it back to one of those a month and like two of the bingos. I'm not sure yet. Sure. Well, we, we should we should have um, us audio dramatists have a, sort of the National Novel Writing Month have a, have the audio drama equivalent, which it sounds like you're kind of going to do if you're going to do, you know, ten episodes of bingo in a month. There there could be a there could be a contest in that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the 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 full bulk of it so far. The 26 episodes so far is about 200 pages. And I wrote it all since, um, I believe it was the beginning of October uh. when I started doing it. <laughs> so I pretty much just about did the network yeah. right now. Yeah, get in there. Oh, that'll, that'll be fun. See, it sounds like you have no shortage of, um, of, of cool things that you got your fingers in um, on the web um, and audio um, in, in, in literary stuff. Uh, well, awesome. Julie, thanks so much for, um, for chatting. Thanks very much for sharing your work on the show. And we, uh, very much look forward to, uh, hearing more of it. Okay, great. And thank you so much for having me. All right. And that was the Mark Time Award winner, Julie Hoverson, 19 Nocturne Boulevard. Well done, Julie. I uh, hope you get another piece up there. Uh, next week, we are going to continue our run with fresh, original, new audio drama in the form of this crazy, cool new series called The Flicker Man. Um, if you've been tuned into the Radio Drama Revival blog, you'll have seen my entry. Um, that was from the Fred's Fuse series about uh, Flicker Man. And next week, you'll have to hear it to see to see it. Does that make sense? Well, a- anyways, this thing is so cool, it defies description. It's this uh, postmodern audio drama, interactive fiction. It involves flicker, uh, gangs. Uh, you just have to hear it. It's so cool. Uh, between then and now, though, you can hear more by checking out the blog, radiodramarevival.com. You, of course, will find a link to subscribe to the podcast there, as well as archives of previous episodes, uh, reviews, the In-Depth Malleus series by Chris Duker, my weekly short little column called Fred's Fuse. And while you're there, please, uh, why not join the conversation? You can leave a comment or two on a previous episode or on a recent post. You can also find us on iTunes if you search for Radio Drama revival um that about wraps it up for this week uh, radio drama revivals produced by me fred greenhalge copyrighted from individual shows remains their original producers uh, but do please share this show as much as you'd like this show originates in on-air radio at wmpg fm greater portland maine's community radio station it is podcast at radio drama revival.com as a labor of love Till next time keep your mind and your ears open thanks for tuning in and have a great week